Here we go. West Hills Friends is a Quaker meeting in Portland, Oregon. You can find more information about our community at westhillsfriends.org. As a Quaker community, we encourage everyone to share from their hearts, especially as it pertains to God's leading in their lives. These words are shared into a community that values the opportunity to respond and dialogue about what is said. The responses and dialogue are not included in this recording. The views expressed in this content are solely those of the original contributors. And do not necessarily speak for the entire West Hills Friends community. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. Have a wonderful day. This is something that Jesus said to us. And it is written down in Matthew 7, 5 through 6. How can you say to your brother, let me take the splinter out of your eye? There is still a plank in your eye. You hypocrite. First take the plank out of your own eye. And then you will see clearly to remove the splinter from your brother's eye. Do not give dogs what is holy. Do not throw your pearls before swine. My name is Claire Nail, and I've been a Quaker for nearly 30 years now. But before that, I was an Episcopalian, and I was old enough to be a lay reader, so. I wasn't a baby when I was an Episcopalian. But one of the best things I learned in the Episcopal Church was this. Before communion, confession. As a kid and a young adult, every Sunday before going to the altar for Holy Communion, we said this. Most merciful God, we confess that we have sinned against thee in thought, word, and deed. And here's my favorite one. By what we have done and what we have undone, or what we have left undone. We have not loved thee with our whole heart. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We are truly sorry and humbly repent. For the sake of thy Son, Jesus Christ, have mercy on us and forgive us, that we may delight in your will and walk in your ways. To the glory of your name, amen. For Quakers, Holy Communion is thought of as open worship. That's our Holy Communion. But we likewise consider our interactions together in community as holy communion. Communion and community are words that come from common roots. Before we can live mercifully and happily with others, we must be cognizant of our own faults. 
Jesus says that plainly in the plank eye reference, as I call it. Now, I've heard it called logs, but I love the word plank. And I know I have one. Yet, if we do not recognize those planks, those missteps, and hold them in the light and examine them, how can we remove them? Here's a hypothetical situation. In my work as a spiritual director, I encounter someone's heartfelt pain. A person is laying out a litany of hurts, wrongs, and slights perpetrated by someone else. Then they ask me, why does this person do such evil things to me? And why do these things happen time and again to me? As their tears stream down, I find it difficult to say, our time is up today. So we go on and on, and little feels accomplished. Such great sadness, and dare I say it, cluelessness. As a listener, I show concern and offer Kleenex. But I have to bite my tongue. I can't point out the obvious. Every person comes to transformation at their own pace. In the future, the same person might come to me frustrated by their lack of hope and their sense of distance from God. Again, I bite my tongue. I'm a listener and reflector. I'm not a guru. I find myself inwardly praying that they will allow God to open a new vista, a landscape lit with mercy. In such a place, this person will not only examine the splinter in the antagonist's eye, but that heavy plank that hinders their progress toward joy. At this point, I may ask them, what are those little things that give you glimmers of joy? I encourage them to revisit those things. I pray they might know that God is present and faithful, and they are not actually as estranged as they think. In the meetings ahead, as the hypothetical person grows stronger, I might, remind, I might recommend that we look at her splinters. I begin to celebrate. I thank God for the faithfulness I see in that person. I see strength and hope return. But let's talk about me. As a spiritual director and as a Christian, it is important for me to be doing the work of extracting the 12-foot planks from my eye. I meet with my spiritual director regularly. I know the importance of self-reflection and examine, as it's called in the Catholic tradition, confession, sincere contrition. 
before I witness someone excising splinters. I must experience the relief of confessing my plank-like fiascos. I also hold my failings in the light during open worship. I have much work to do. I'm just a baby in these things. My eyes are heavy with planks. I am not the splinter remover. God is. I am just a witness when I sit with my hypothetical person. I have no right to hurry the transformation along. And it's sort of the same with myself. Transformation takes patience. No matter how desperate we are for relief from the agony of examining our errors, we have to wait patiently. We must undergo each uncomfortable step of the process. It takes time. It takes time for an oyster to make those irritating grains of sand into pearls. So it is with our failures, which our forefathers called our sins. We can call them our mistakes, because sin is not a very popular word in modern liberal theology. It is interesting to me that even in secular life, people no longer want to cop to their errors. Politicians construct elaborate cover-ups to obscure their misdeeds, even when all the evidence points to their guilt. Worst, they cast aspersions on others rather than confessing and apologizing for their own peccadilloes. In private life, relationships crumble because no one can say, I did it. I'm sorry, will you forgive me? And without coming clean, there can be no transformation in the world. I see sin as raw material waiting for us to transform. Sin is just failure. Sin is failing to use the gifts and experiences we're given properly. We all fail repeatedly. Failure is part of learning how to walk in the world. We can be honest and we can be merciful, but the word sin is so uncomfortable. Is it because the church has historically underplayed how much God loves a sinner? How about learning again to see failure as an opportunity for closeness with God rather than separation? The deepest possibility for honest communion is the moment of deepest brokenness. I think of Psalm 51. David composed it when his heart was crushed for remorse, 
for something tantamount to murder. First, he committed adultery, and then he sent the woman's husband to war in the front line when he knew he would be killed. When his counselor, his spiritual director, Nathan, helps him see this, David is so remorseful and sings this to God. A broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. You desire truth in the inmost parts. And I just want to make it like a poem and, and end it with a broken spirit and a contrite heart. A broken spirit and a contrite heart you will not despise. You desire truth in the inmost parts, a broken spirit and a contrite heart. Admitting brokenness, we can move into the world as God would have us move, authentic, humble, and wise. We can be healers. From this broken heart, healing pours out like balm. And our hearts can return to a clean altar where communion can be received. For me, confession deepens open worship. So how does this play out for me personally? If broken worship, if open worship, not broken worship, but open worship is broken, <laughs> if it's shallow for me, it may be because something is blocking the light. Maybe I'm hiding my naked soul under a giant fig leaf. Maybe I'm afraid to be honest before God. I may think a lot of profound thoughts, but my heart it's not receiving the light. I'm not communing. Whenever guilt or shame arises in open worship, my practice is this. I lay my uncomfortable thoughts before me in the light. I avoid the temptation to stuff them down or hide them under a fig leaf of mental gymnastics. I don't rationalize. I simply ask God to look at them with me. I ask for help, not in a fancy way, just help. Sometimes tears come. And at that point, even though I find it almost unbearable, I avoid the impulse to jump up and confess for all to hear. You, my gathered friends, might be in similar communion. You might be dealing with your own heartbreak. If I need companionship, I wait to the rise of meeting and find a trusted friend to pray with me. The people sitting in silence 
are not ready for my pearls of pain. They are not dogs or swine, but they may be or they may not be ready to hear my failures. My pearls are sacred, but only to a chosen few. I assure you, there is someone, though, who is willing to sit with you and listen at the rise of meeting. If I'm wondering who I can trust, I ask God to help me discern. Maybe I can contact an elder, the pastor, a spiritual director, or someone who looks just like the person I need to pray for me. Now, when I speak about confession, I feel like I have to put in a little um, codicil. We've all heard the stories of those who sin, confess, and repeat. Maybe that's all of us, but we all know the person that we feel like just confesses and feels better. Confession is not a replacement for therapy, atonement, for just changing. But that's another message, and I don't have time to go into that much. I just want to offer this as a way you might try and open worship when you feel blocked to open things a little. It may not resonate with you, but I wanted to share it. These are the last weeks of Lent. Holy Week is coming soon, and Easter. It is time, or is it time, to hold your failures, sorrows, misdeeds, and regrets in the light. Maybe it's a time for healing. Whatever you do today in, hope, in open worship, may you feel the light of Christ like medicine. May you know the close presence of God, the God who loves you, knows you, and holds you close no matter what. Let me repeat that without my stutter. Whatever you do today in open worship, may you feel the light of Christ as medicine. May you know the close presence of the God who loves you, knows you, and holds you close no matter what.